We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We had a question from five Burkhart boys who said with Jane Thomas probably out, how many snaps do you, do we see Braylon James getting 10 or less? We need to develop him fast as an outside threat. Sadly, he's the only guy who has the skill on the team. I, I don't agree with that at all. Either. Um, but and Tobias yeah, has I that just, skill. I th- yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Tobias Merriweather has eight catches in his career. Eight. Yep. He's got a 65 yarder or excuse me, a 75-yarder, a 45-yarder, and a 41-yarder. Yep. Right? I mean, he can stretch the field. He just got to throw him the ball. Chris Tyree is a 4-3. He has a 76-yard touchdown already this year. Right? I mean, so I don't disagree that – that look, you know my stance, Ryan, on, on Braylon James. I would play him 10 snaps this week, and I'd say, hey, bro, you need to run four routes – Need to run a go, need to run a post, need to run a hitch, and need to run a cross. That's it. That's not that freaking hard. It's not that freaking yep. hard. Yep. So, um, it, yeah. I, I know he's raw, but like you can take advantage of some of the stuff he does well. And then also, Braylon James is a competitive kid. So, like, he'll yeah. block, you know, like he'll at least right. try. He'll give you effort. All he right. needs to get stronger. He needs to develop. Like he'll, he won't just like loaf out there if it's right. like a you know, run play. You know what I mean? And like, if he's and if he's it. playing 10 snaps, Ryan, and you're telling him what and he only has three plays, they don't know what those this week, they don't know what those plays are. So it's him. not a tell. It may be a tell by the time you get to USC if he only knows three plays, but it's not this week. They don't know what yeah, he's doing. No idea. They have no idea who 14 None. is like in the game. Yeah. yeah. None. So yeah, just but they I don't think they will. No, I don't think they'll not. play him. So I hope they do. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that I hope I'm wrong about putting Tobias in the boundary. I hope I'm wrong about playing Jaden Greathouse outside. That that they're not going to do either one of those. And I hope I'm wrong that they're not that they're not going to ramp up Chris Tyree. And I'm hope I'm wrong that they're not going to play Braylon James. I don't think they're going to do any of those things. And I hope I'm wrong about every single one of them. I think they're just going to put Rico Flores in the boundary and and basically have him play the whole game there. Now Tobias has played a little bit of boundary because they'll you know in, in certain looks. The, but yeah. like not primarily and not when it, when he's there, you, they don't feature it. It's, it's just, you know, whatever. But uh, 
I think they're just going to say, let's try to just get through this game and run a bunch of 12 and 21 and which is fine to a degree, but yeah, I don't think they're going to change a whole lot pass game wise. I hope I'm wrong. I feel like, and I hope I'm very wrong here, but I feel like they're just going to try to play bully ball with them and it might work. It might work. I think that you could play bully ball and beat Duke. I do think you could, but again, it's sustainable for, the teams that make you uncomfortable, right? The Ohio States, right. USC. If USC gets a couple touchdowns early, where you just have to, you have to open it up a little bit. You're playing from behind, like right. That, those games, it's just about sustainability for me. And no, yep. no, no. That's no shade at Duke at all. It's just I do think though that Notre Dame can say we are just going to establish the run game. We're going to ride it out, and they can still win that football game. I do. I think yep. they can do that. Yep. It's all about does it can you win a game that way? Yes. Does it make you a better football team? Right. That's more debatable. You're not gonna win, you're not gonna beat Georgia if you go up against Georgia in a big game that way. Like you're not just gonna be able to run the football and that's it. Like it's just not not sustainable. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm going to, I'm going to read this one and answer it, Ryan, uh, from okay. sexy man. Why did Notre Dame waste a scholarship on a Mac level? The end 25 could easily be an elite gap erasing class best ever. Why waste a scholarship? They haven't wasted a scholarship in 2025. They do not have any commitments for Mac level defensive ends. So I don't know what you're talking about. I know who you're talking about, but, uh, I, I think this is a really kind of misguided post. Ignorance. Ignorance yeah. is the word. You're it's a very, for. very, very misguided post. So, None of those things are true. Yeah. So I mean, because because um, we can we can talk about like whether someone should be a take right now or shouldn't be a take right. right now. But regardless, is the player that you're talking about, and I'm not even going to say his name because it's just disrespectful. He has multiple Division One offers, so like it's not a in, Mac or in, Power including Five offers, from I should say. including from Iowa. Yes, Ryan. Uh, question for you. Yep. Uh, who has put more defensive ends into the NFL uh, in the last twenty years? first round Iowa or Notre Dame oh, the answer is Iowa Lucas matter Van Ness, of fact Adrian yeah Iowa did it last year didn't they Lucas Van Ness yeah very yeah good player haven't very they had player. two first round picks on the defensive line in the last like five years I think AJ Panessa went in the second round I believe and then they had another they had another kid I thought after him who was the kid before Van Ness and where did he get picked did he get picked lower they had Davion Dixon, a defensive tackle, went like the third nah, round. No, it's not him. There was another kid with a funky name, and I don't know where he got picked. Oh, Zachary Volkenberg? Yes. He, I he think he picked? was a late-round pick, I believe. Late-round pick? 
Yeah, I think he was a late rounder. Guy. Had 15 tackles for loss two Good years player. ago. By the Good way, player. 15 yep. tackles. So, you know, if Iowa offered that kid this early, that tells you something, right? That tells you something. And Lucas Van Ness, who was a first round pick, as you said last year, Ryan, did not lead their team in tackles for loss last year. Another defensive lineman did, and he did not lead their team in sacks last year. And they've had AJ Epinesa, you said was second round pick. Anthony Nelson was a high pick. I mean, he or excuse me, a big time college football player. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they also had Adrian just, Claiborne uh, back in the day. He was a first round pick. He yeah. was a really good player. So I just, it's a disrespectful comment, and it's also just not even true. If you want to say, hey, you know, I like the kid, but I think they could have waited a while. All right, we can have that conversation. That's fair. And that's yeah, fair. Very fair. Uh, I think this early I'd be picky with a lot of positions, but the fact is, is this is a good football player and his junior film has been pretty good so far. Uh, and they're also not recruiting them to be the stud, but Iowa wanted this kid. And if I was, if Phil Parker thinks this kid can play like, like, am I going, am I following Iowa around for offensive linemen? Like I used to No. Am I following Iowa around for who they're recruiting a receiver, quarterback, running back? No. Tight end. Yeah. I mean, that, that matters. Some, this is what people need to understand. There are certain schools that if they offer a kid, that means something. I don't care what their record is or what their name on their jersey is. And there's other schools that I don't care how good that program is. I don't give a crap who they – I don't care who Oklahoma offers on defense yeah. when they had Lincoln Riley there. didn't matter to me at all. I don't care what his ranking mm-hmm. was. mattered to me if they liked the quarterback, though. mattered to me if they liked the receiver, though. And, yeah. and to me, if there's a Midwestern kid that Phil Parker likes, I'm taking a look at that kid. Because they keep turning out, Ryan they had two first round draft picks off their out of their front seven last year. I think they know a thing or two about developing defensive and, players. And they were and they were Iowa. both and they were both lowly recruited players. I believe Jack right. Campbell was a three star, and I don't even know if Van Ness was a ranked player, if I remember correctly. What his so. what how do you, is his first name with a with a Luke, um, Luke uh, L-U-K. The K, right? A S, yeah. Lucas yeah. Ness. Let's look at his let's look at his recruiting profile coming out of college, coming out of high school. He was uh, a three-star kid by on three rival or by two four seven ESPN and rivals. He was ranked no higher than the number sixteen player in the state of Illinois, and he was ranked as the number one hundred and forty-four edge player in the country by ESPN. Mm-hmm. He was the number fifty fifty-one, I think, big end by uh, D, uh, yeah. So two four seven had him ranked as the number nineteen player in Illinois and the number fifty-one strong side end. So, um, yeah, I think they know a thing or two about those Illinois, and he's an Illinois kid, right? Yep. So, uh, I think they know a thing or two about that. 260 something, 270 pounds, runs a four, five, eight, or something like that. Right. Like, yeah, they, they, right. there's some talent there. Joseph man. Reef is the kid that we're talking about here, uh, and he is the number 10 player in the state of Illinois coming out in a pretty good year. So, uh, ranked higher in all those regards. So, I just, uh, it's a real, that com- a real I don't know why, but that the way that you phrased that comment really bothered me. It's the it's the Mac the Mac level yeah. defensive end thing. And yeah. also some sometimes some really good talent slip into the Mac because there wasn't good evaluations right. on players too. So can we say Mac players? Even so. teams like George and Alabama, not every kid that they recruit is a five star kid that's meant to be a five star player. Yep. You recruit kids for all different types of reasons. It's about building a program, not an on-paper recruiting class. So just want to throw that yeah. out there to you as well. You, Matter you know of fact, who's one of, you know who's one of the best ahead. pass rushers in the NFL over the last 15 years? He's a he's a former Mac 
defensive end named Khalil Mack out of the University yeah. of Buffalo. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Let's get to a few more here, Ryan, before we get out of here. TD Brammy for how would you go about locking up Mike Mickens for the foreseeable future aside from a big contract? I mean, that is the way, though. <laughs> Give him a nice yeah, contract. <laughs> Mike, Mike Mickens wants to be a defensive coordinator. That, that's just yeah. a fact, right? So you are yeah. you can pay him a lot of money, but I think he wants to be a defensive coordinator. I think he would eventually like to be a head football coach. So I don't yeah. I don't know that Mike Mickens has lifer per, uh, assistant coach vibes, like a Harry Heastand. What, right? what is Mike Mickens, 40? Is he like 40? Like not even. 40 I think he's like 36, 37, something oh, okay. like he's that. Like he's he's younger than Marcus Freeman. Gotcha. Um, Thirty. Uh, he is thirty-six. Oh, wow. So uh, the the way to keep Mike Mickens is a, a pay raise, of course. That's yep. a, that's a given. But then number two is he's going to want more responsibility on defense. And and so if you're willing to give him a co DC role, that's a legit co DC role, not just an mm-hmm. in name only. Like his job doesn't change at all, yep. but you're just paying him more money to give him a title. I don't think he'll be happy about that. I think at the very least, he's got to be co-D coordinator and have some say in in, in the type of things that they're doing, right? Sure. Like the, the main play caller always has to have the final say when you're in the meeting room. There has to be one voice that ultimately says, okay, this is what we're going to decide to do as a group. Right. But a, a, a co-D coordinator in that type of role is still going to have a lot more say where like, I'm going to, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not dead set on this, then I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, this is up to you to figure that out. Right. And, and so it's going to have to be something like that to me yeah. to, to keep them. Cause he's going to be, I mean, people are like, this guy can recruit and coach corners at Notre Dame. Like, yeah, we want that guy. Yeah. Uh, I think Mike Mickens has loyalty to the, to Marcus Freeman and the players, but at the same time, his number one loyalties need to be to himself and his family. And if he has aspirations as a coach, then he should pursue those. And Notre Dame needs to recognize those. And if they want him bad enough, then they need to, to give him that. Now, I don't know how good of a defensive coordinator Mike Mickens will be. I've done a little bit of research on this. I really like his football mind. Uh, I, I I would I would be – like, let's just say hypothetically Al Golden leaves and he goes to the NFL. Because, mm-hmm. guys, if he keeps only giving up 12 points a game at Notre Dame the rest of the year, he's going to be a hot commodity. Notre Dame fans are not going to realize why, but he's going to be a hot commodity, and he should be, Ryan. But uh, – Let's say you bring in Jim Leonard as your D coordinator. You're going to need to make Mike Mickens co-D coordinator and give him some sort of say in that. But how's that going to fit? Because Jim Leonard's also a DB guy. So maybe you say, hey, we got, we got, you know, but you're going to need to make Mike Mickens co-coordinator in that situation and, and give him some responsibilities that would be that of a co-coordinator. Otherwise you're going to lose him. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting situation for, for that. Yeah, for that. And some of these, I don't see that happening for Mickens. ND is going to have two internal promotions, no experienced coordinators. That is a lot of inexperience. You know, the last defensive coordinator that was an internal uh, promotion with no coordinator experience? Clark Lee. Yeah. Yeah. I think that worked out pretty well. In the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's worked out pretty well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, man. If you, I'll say it again. If you got the chops, you got the chops. I don't know that Mike Mickens has the chops, but I don't care if he's 26 or 36. If you got the chops, you got the chops. He's been coaching Power 5 football now for several years and been good at it. He was at Cincinnati for – I mean, this isn't a guy that's – this isn't Chris O'Leary, 
or Tommy Reese getting an OC job after he'd only been coaching football for three years, right? Like Mike Mickens has been coaching for a decade. You know what I mean? So a lot of guys don't have a lot of experience. If you got the chops, you got the chops. Brian Van Gord had a crap load of experience when he was hired as defensive coordinator in Notre Dame. He did. And he sucked. <laughs> John Tenuta had a crap load of experience when he got hired in Notre Dame. And he sucked. Clark Lee had none. It's pretty good. You know who else had never been a D coordinator prior to his time at Notre Dame? So I'm going to go, I'm going to take you back a little bit, Ryan. You know okay. who else had never called a defense in college when he was hired at Notre Dame? Barry Alvarez. Coordinator? Bingo. Oh, really? Did I get it? Nice. Cool. Yep. Yep. Barry Alvarez was Notre Dame's linebacker. Yes. Yeah. He was Notre Dame's linebackers. He was Iowa's linebackers coach from 79 to 86. Got mm-hmm. hired as the linebacker coach at Notre Dame in 87. And then Lou Holtz, like an idiot, promoted him to D coordinator with no experience the next year. I'm being a little sarcastic with you, with Andrew. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. I, I love you. But the next year, he, he he promotes Barry Alvarez to defensive coordinator the next season, and uh, that worked out pretty good. So Barry's, Barry's a decent yeah. coach. Decent coach. He was pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Pretty good head coach yeah, as well. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Now, he was a little bit older. He was 42. Not that much older. But that's because he had been coaching in high school for over a decade, for about a decade prior to going to Iowa. So, guys, I'm going to say it again. And, and this, and I am being serious now, Andrew. I was busting your chops a little bit about the Lou Holtz comment. But the, the reality is, is, is with all this stuff, if you got the chops, you got the chops, man. You know, that's the reality of it. And, and there's going to be guys that are, that are older that would do a terrible job here. And there's going to be guys that are younger that don't have a lot of experience that will do a great job. That's just the reality of it. Kevin Steele at Alabama has a ton of experience being a defense coordinator. How's that worked out for Bama so far? Not great. I mean, they're they're not playing great on defense right now, especially the, against the one good team they played so far this year. Ripped them up. They played one good offense this year, and they ripped them up at home. You know? So, and again, Andrew, this isn't me saying Mike Mickens would do a, be a phenomenal D coordinator. I don't know. Marcus Freeman will have a better sense of that. Right. But I don't know. But what I'm saying is you don't not make that move because he doesn't have experience. If he's got the talent. You make the move. If He doesn't have the talent. You don't make the move. It's as simple as that. And if if you don't think Mike Mickens can be a good coordinator and it's either either make me coordinator or I leave. Then you let him leave. You have to because you need that to be a good hire. What I'm simply saying is just because he doesn't have experience doesn't mean he won't do a great job. Sure. I, I, don't, I don't know if he will or won't. But the inexperienced thing, if you think that guy's the best guy for the job or or you think like having him as coordinator and corners coach is better than having some experienced guy and someone else's corners coach, then you make that move. That's what you got to do. It just boils down to do you think the guy has the chops now? Why did Lou Holtz promote Barry Alvarez? So he thought he had the chops. Thought he could run defense. Thought he could take that veteran group of players and turn them into elite defense. And guess what? He did. Somebody just put in the chat. Barry Alvarez was twenty-three and one as a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. <laughs> That's not bad at all. All right, Ryan. We get to a few more of these, and we got to get out of here. So let me just find a couple more. I'm going to ask this one because I want to get your thoughts on this, Ryan. This is from John Haynes. Last year, it felt like there was a lot of frustration with Coach Washington. How would you say his group is doing so far this year? And have you seen improvement? You need to see. I've seen improvement. I would say I think that the team. I think it's a hard balance for me, John, because I think that there are some 
Like, cause we always look at just production, right. But like the backfield production stuff. And I think that it's, it's a misguided metric at times. If that's not asked what your, it's, it's not what your players are been asked to do. Like Riley Mills, Riley Mills, I think is maybe the most underappreciated player on this team right now, because I think Riley Mills has been pretty dang good at the role that he's mm-hmm. been asked to play. But for some people, they look at the tackle for loss and the sack production. And they're like, he hasn't been good. It's like, no, that's just not what he's been asked to do, though, right? Like, I think Riley Mills, though, has gotten better as a football player, in my opinion. I think Howard Cross has gotten better as a football player, in my opinion. There's been some mixed results, though. There has, right? Like, Jordan Patello has not taken the jump that I wanted him to. I think Javante Jean-Baptiste has been a good football player for Notre Dame. So I yes. think he's been a lot of good. It's just been mixed results, right? And I think, but I think that some of those mixed results are due to the roles that you're asking your defensive linemen to play. I wish, I for me, the better indicator of how good Al Washington has been as a defensive coordinator from year one to year two would be is if the second half of the year they were like taking the shackles off, go play ball, play loose, try to be mm-hmm. disruptive, and let's see what it looks like. I think that you would get a much better grasp of the entirety because right now. I think I, I I'm pretty confident to say that technically as run players and pl- holding point of attack defense line, I think they've played really well. They've showed a lot way of better than my last opinion. year, way better, way better, but it, you're judged based on the entirety of playing the position, right? And the right. sack production, the disruptives have not been nearly as efficiently good enough for your defensive line, but it's not all his fault is my point. And I need to see, the shackles get taken off for me to truly understand. Has it been great? Has it just been good? Has it been very good? I just don't think that I have a full understanding of just how much improvement the defensive line has had as, right. in an entirety. If that right. makes sense. That's very fair, Ryan, because in one stance in one instance, Notre Dame right now in total defense ranks. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. Notre Dame right now in rushing in total defense ranks seventh in college football. And that's with yep. Ohio state on their schedule. Uh, right now, Notre Dame in, in college football ranks sixth in yards allowed per play at 4.2. They're only giving up 3.2 rushing yards per per game, per play right now, which would be if you look at where Notre Dame has been in the past, right now they're at 3.18. Last year they were at 3.9, 3.6, 4. 4.2, 4. 4.2, 3.5, that was 2012, 3.8, and 4.8. So now they're, they're at a rate significantly better, over a half yard better than every defense except the 2012 defense in run defense, while ranking 130th in tackles for loss. That means they're doing their job very well. What they're not doing is dominating. And and that's to the the point where I mean, is that because they're not dominant capable or because they're not being allowed or turned loose in the ways to do that? They're not being used in the ways to do that. I would argue maybe it's a little bit of both right now. We'll see, you know, but that's usually the case is that it's, yeah. it's part of the answer yeah. is everything, right? right? It's not usually just one side rules. But that's why I want to see them be turned loose a little bit more. You have to be more disruptive. Now, I think part of that's coaching. Part of that's the players got to do a better job getting off blocks. When they do get a push, get off the block and get on the football, right? there. So there's a little bit of both of that. But they've certainly improved. Now we got to find out if they can take that next step, right? Because what you can't do is take a big jump and run defense while going down and pass rush. 
that, that's that, the happy medium. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we've seen so far. But to Ryan's point and what I said earlier, I I don't know how much of that is Al Golden and how much of that is Al Washington. And and I don't mean I don't know like I'm questioning like I think a lot of it might. I don't. I literally don't know. Right. Why? And and I, we're gonna need more I, games to kind of figure that out. I just don't think it's a it's a I don't think it's a fair sample size to judge the disruptive nature of the defensive line just because I just don't think that you've gotten a fair sample size at this point. Like I just want to see what they can do if they're asked to play that right. role specifically. And I don't think they've been asked to do that yet. All right. Let's get a few, uh, got some offensive questions here, Ryan. I'm going to, I'm going to read these two back to back because I think they kind of go together. So read this first question and then I'm going to read it, bring up the second one and you read them back to back because they kind of go together. Okay. Yep. So Tristan Mize says, why does it seem like the offense is still handcuffed in a sense? feel like the play calling hasn't allowed Sam Hartman to be himself. Almost like we brought him in to be more cons- a more consistent Drew Pine so far. And then Matt 2011 GT says, is it possible that Marcus Freeman's defensive mindset is holding the offense back? I do wonder that, Ryan. I do. Because... This offensive staff has been super creative in the run game. Super creative in the run game. Complete opposite in the pass game. I don't think that's Jared Parker's MO. I don't think that's a like I just don't. I I do wonder if Marcus Freeman looks at his offense and because they don't have a proven number 1 receiver or 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 whatever and says and maybe he watched the offense struggle to move the ball against the defense and practice. Well, guess what? Ohio State also struggles to move the ball against this defense. So did NC State. So is everyone so far. It's pretty good defense. Yep. Now, I do wonder if Marcus Freeman has kind of said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be efficient. We're gonna be, you know, we're gonna we're not gonna make mistakes and all that." You you can err on the yeah. side of, yes, you're efficient and you don't make mistakes. Like honestly, I would sacrifice being more aggressive with a couple picks up to this point in time in the year. I, I would. Yeah, against the some of the better teams, like yeah, Sam Hartman hasn't thrown a single interception in five games. Like well, that's great to to a degree. The other sure. part is, are you not making some plays? Like when Sam, like if you go back and watch how Sam Hartman threw the ball when Notre Dame got down ten nothing, different, different mindset. Yeah, it, was, it was different. He was yeah. like, dude, I'm fitting a seam route in between three guys to Mitchell Evans, and he went up and got it. You know what I mean? Was, it was just like great throw, man. he was great looser. Throw. It's like I'm taking – and he starts taking shots deep. It's kind of like, hey, you got to let me go now. And the offense goes, boom, touchdown, boom, touchdown. I don't think that's a coincidence, he's very, Ryan. He's very, like, gunslinger at heart, yeah. isn't he? Like, yeah, yes. it's like a round It's like a round peg into a square hole a little bit at yes. times, I would say. But, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong about that. You are not wrong. You, you've you've got to let him go. And I, and I, I do wonder if part of that is Marcus Freeman's direction. It's, he said he, he's, he said this team's going to be what he wants it to be, and that's okay. Yeah. I, but yeah, we, we've we've seen loose. coaches like that on the college and the NFL level. Like remember, Marty Schottenheimer was Marty Ball, right? Yeah. Marty Ball was like super conservative, play good defense, run the football, control the clock, don't make mistakes. That was Marty Schottenheimer's. They won a ton of games that way. They Zero did, but they didn't win the big games, right? Like they didn't win the ones that mattered most. They would go 14 and two regularly, but then they would lose in like the first round of the playoffs. Cause it's like, you can't do that in those big games. Right. You need to take some risks. You can't be risk adverse right. in those types of situations, especially in like hostile right. environments and stuff. Like it just doesn't well, work. 
And that's what hurt. Like when you look at, I'm a Broncos fan. That's what hurt the Broncos with Dan Reeves is, is he would, they, it's like, there was a quote by John Elway one time where he talked about all his fourth quarter comebacks. And he's like, well, if you'd, you know, I I paraphrase, if you'd have turned me loose a little bit earlier, maybe we wouldn't have needed all those fourth quarter comebacks, you know? Cause like then you're behind and he, you got to let him loose and go play football. And, you know, and and we come down to it. You have the Broncos against the Browns and they're both conservative. They're both trying to be defensive, run the football. The difference was one team had Bernie Kosar, who was good. The other team had John Elway, who was great. You know, and that was often the difference in those AFC championship games. And that was the closest Marty Schottenheimer ever got to being a champion was those Browns teams. And, you know, and again, they they lost because they're, you know, they just well, to, to your point, remember- to, that, to that that philosophy. And you, you had LT and you and Phillip Rivers and you couldn't do anything with them. And, and it'll win you a lot of games if you're talented. But to to be a champion, we've pointed this out, Ryan. You've got to be able to score, and Notre Dame couldn't score on Ohio State, and that's why they lost. Defense did great, offensive line did great, ran the football. Ryan you did everything that you say you want to be. You ran the football, you wanted the line of scrimmage. Your your lines were better than their lines, but your unwillingness to take some shots, I think, ultimately proved problematic in that game. Because you can't really like flip the switch when you get uncomfortable all the time, right? Like I remember Marty Schottenheimer one year with the Chargers. He had Ladamian Tomlinson, who's like incredible, right? But then Ladamian Tomlinson got hurt either before or during the AFC Championship game, and they had Philip Rivers still that year. But like Philip Rivers, I remember during that game was like he had never been asked to be like that guy at that point because he was still a young dude, you know, and he wasn't prepared for that moment. And then you get shell shocked, and then you lose a football game because you. Are now you have to, you have to like fit a persona that you're not designed to be, and that's a, that's a coaching issue. And again, I'm not saying that's Marcus Freeman necessarily, but like we have seen some coaches that are like more conservative when it's time to open it up or the, the crunch time. Right, the team's uncomfortable because they just aren't used to that right. style. They're just not the, used to it. The problem is, Ryan, defensive coaches tend to be so turnover conscious that it can be paralyzing because what was Marty Schottenheimer before he became a head coach? He's a defensive coordinator in the NFL. He was the yeah. Browns defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator for the giants and he was a linebackers coach. That's, that was his thing. Defensive offensive, co- offensive coaches tend to understand, Hey guys, turnovers are going to happen. You got to make sure they're not the bad ones. You and I say that all the time. I say, or I say it all the time. I think you and I are on the same page there, but turnovers are going to happen. You're going to turn the ball over. You just are. You just got to make sure they're not bad ones. You're going to throw interceptions. It's just going to happen. And if you go through a year and don't throw interceptions, I promise you it has more to do with your just unwillingness to take chances than it does about, you you know, your your quarterback is just a phenomenal guy, right? I mean, you're going to throw interceptions. You're going to turn the ball over. And the only way to avoid that is to not ever take any risks. And guess what happens when you don't take risks? You lose to Ohio State 17 to 14. Yeah, that's that's what happens. And, um, you know, again, this isn't like crushing Mark. Marcus Freeman's done a lot of good things, a lot of good things. It's about whether or not he can continue to evolve and realize, hey, we don't have to be LSU 2019, but we right. can't be Bama 20, 2009 either, right? Like there's a happy medium in there that if this team can play the defense the way it's playing the the last two years, because again, guys, I'll say it again. They're going to not lose to Ohio State last year because of their defense. No. Yeah, they didn't lose to Ohio State this year because of their defense. They didn't lose to Stanford last year because of their defense. They didn't lose to Marshall last year because of their defense. That's just reality. And anyone that says all turnovers are bad doesn't know football. It just, they're going to happen. 
right? It's never that turnovers are good. They're just a part of the game, and they're worth the risk if the risk equals this. Big big plays, yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, you have to find what that balance is. Now, does that mean you throw three picks a game as long as you get five 50-yard games? No, I'm not saying that either, right? There's a happy medium here. And and coach is going to have to find that, and that's part. That's going to be part of his evolution as a football coach. You know that that's the reality of it, because, you know, yeah, because your offense and defense does have to match. Like I do agree with that. I don't think you can, like, you you have to have an offense that says, hey, if we're going to be this type of team on defense, we need an offense that's this way. If we're going to be a like, if Clark Lee's my defensive coordinator, I would be even more risk averse than I am now because it's a bend but don't break type team I'm not you know and and I kind of even feel that way a little bit now because this team's not super disruptive but like if I'm Brent Venables if I had Brent Venables from Clemson as my D coordinator I'm willing to take chances on offense because I know that he you know yeah and I know because I know that he can if we give him a bad field they can go force a stop and get a force a turnover themselves right I mean it, it it matched if you're a super conservative defense and you need to be kind of somewhat conservative on offense, I just, I think there needs to be some marriage there. If you're going to be a high octane score fast offense, your defense is going to have to be built to play with that. Whether that means you've got to play a lot more guys, whether you need to be a team that takes more chances on yourself. Uh, There needs to be some sort of a marriage there. They don't have, but they don't have to be identical twins, you know, where you're super conservative here and you're super conservative here it, you know, it just, and and they're close, Ryan. That's the thing is that's, what's so frustrating about Saturday. They didn't go out and get beat by 40, you know, like they should have won the game. Now it's yeah. about make those little adjustments. And again, this is what we're talking about here, right? It's little adjustments. It's not throw it all out. Al Golden, you suck. Your defense sucks. Do don't. No, it's, you're doing a lot of good things. I just need you to make a couple little adjustments here. Jared Parker's doing a lot of really good things. I just needed to make a couple adjustments here. And if they're willing to make those, this team's going to be, de- this team's going to be a problem for a lot of people. And they've already been that way so far. Right. I mean, again, we're talking about an offense that has scored 40 points in its or more in its first four games, yeah. you know, like the potential's there. You just, you've got to be willing to, sh- here's what I hate, Ryan. That's what it comes down to a team that has no problem coming out against central Michigan and just throwing bombs early. And then a week later, throws none because they're playing a better team. Yeah. That was a waste what you did last week against Central Michigan then. Why are you wasting your time throwing bombs if you're not going to throw them against Ohio State? Work on stuff against Central Michigan that's going to help that's going to help you go beat Ohio State. Right? You know, it just that's the frustrating part. Yeah. That's the frustrating part. This is more of a comment here from Andre Tonsil than a but sort of a question, but but a good one. Andre always has good good insights. Andre says, two things I need to see. One, offense, regain its swagger. Defense, play to your strengths. Be smart, disciplined within defensive play thoughts. I think that's what the defense has pretty much done for the most part, yeah. is playing to, playing to their strengths for the most part. Except for, except for missing tackles in space. Right. Yeah, other than that, right. The, the last series was the problem. That, that was really – because what was the issue, though, right? They didn't play to their strength. Your strength is you come up and you cover people. That's your strength. And on third 19, you've got Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison playing way off the ball. You know, it's just you didn't play to your strengths. You went away from your strength and you didn't get there. Offense, regain regain your swagger. 
as long as you regain it with some some tweaks of who from what you were, then absolutely, you're you're on there. You're on there. Definitely need to regain uh, momentum offensively. There's no doubt. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this one, Ryan, and, and ask you okay. because I have given my opinion on this a lot. I want to get your reaction to it. 99 problems BK one. When Ryan Day opens his mouth, he proves Jim Harbaugh correct that some people are born on third base and think they hit a triple. Agree or disagree? I can't stand Ryan Day. I mean, I, I it's it's I, it's it's not a very polite way to say it, but the guy. I, I was I was talking about. I think I talked about it on this show, but like losing when Notre Dame lost to Ohio State, I was just like distraught for a couple minutes. You know, I'm just like, oh, that stinks. You know, like I was very down in the dumps, and then I heard his post game speech from just like. You need to shut your mouth. Like you just are right. so nearsighted. It is just insane, man. I I, I can't stand the guy. I really can't. Mm-hmm. And I make fun of his beard and stuff. And like it's fun. Like that's more of like a poking fun because it's kind of funny. But he legitimately, I think, is very nearsighted to his faults, which I think will cost Ohio State in the end. Will they ever be bad? Absolutely not. Ohio State will continue to being a very good team. But I think that it will cost them long term of being an elite team at times because he's too nearsighted to the issues that he has. And I yeah. hate that guy, man. Hate him. I hate's a strong word. I don't hate him. I dislike that man very much. Very much. Yes. I would agree with that. I don't hate him because it's football. Yeah. I don't know him. But I yeah. dislike him very, very much. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 yes, he every time he talks, he absolutely proves Jim Harbaugh correct. Yeah. This dude was born on third was was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. That is absolutely spot on, in my opinion. Yeah. I would love so, to see the two fight. I would love oh, to see them fight. Uh, that would not go well for Ryan Day. No, Jim, Jim Harbaugh's not out. a dude that I would <laughs> mess would with. No. It's not a he's dude got, I would mess with. He's got the crazy eye. I would not mess with him. Yes, yes. He's a big guy. First of all, like he's like six Jim three, Harbaugh's. Right? Yeah, he's a he's a big guy, uh, but yeah. he's also. I think a little, a little nuts. So yeah. Joe Medina says during coach Golden's presser, he mentioned rotating his guys better. Do you think or know that this was a Marcus Freeman demand or was it a Al Golden holding himself accountable for how he used his depth versus Ohio state? I certainly hope it was the latter, but I, I have no idea of knowing that obviously. I, I honestly, to me, I don't, I don't know the answer in this specific case. I haven't, heard from anybody this week about that joe in the past when al golden has made comments like this it's been after conversations with the head football coach yeah i just can't tell you for sure if that also happened this week but i would i would think so i would think so and and again what al golden did on saturday was was pretty darn good in a lot of ways yeah, there just were some things that, like, maybe if you'd have done this, it would have worked out differently. And anytime you lose a game like that, you should always look back and say, "What could I have done better?" Yeah, if I had a coach, Ryan, if I had a coordinator, if, if if you were my defensive coordinator and we lost a game like that, and you came into my office and were like, "Hey, listen, we we only held, we only gave seventeen points. Why didn't you guys score more?" I'm like, "Get out, yeah, get out." I I don't want that. I mean, you're here's the thing. You're a you're not wrong, right? But I don't want you having that mindset. I want you having the mindset of. We needed one more freaking stop, and I didn't get it done. Yeah, and and I'm gonna get back in the lab, and we're gonna figure out why, how we can make it get it done the next time. Right, that's what I want to have, and I hope that Al Golden has that mindset. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying I hope that he does. I hope he, I hope he doesn't necessarily even need the head coach to do that. Look, we we didn't get it done, so I need to figure out why. 
you know, and, and it can't be well. Freaking if DJ draw, and I can't. So I don't say from I freaking DJ catches that ball. It's oh, okay, fine. Yeah, it's true, but I don't want you having that mindset. I want you have what 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 could if Ramon if if Ramon plays that ball better, game's over. Yeah, that's true, and that's why I didn't like what Al Golden said after the game. And he's like, you know, hey, we wanted to protect against the ball the ball being thrown into the end zone, and uh, you know, if, basically, he's like, if if it gets played, he didn't say the player, but he said if 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 we play it better, it's you know. It doesn't work. And I'm like, you know, like what you're saying isn't wrong, but you've got Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. Why are you worried about them completing a fade ball? If if they're going to beat me, they're going to have to beat me throwing a fade ball into the end zone from the 22 against Benjamin Morrison or Cam Hart. That's how you're going to have to beat me. Because you know how many times they had done that during that game, Ryan? None. Yeah. Because the one time they did hit that ball against uh, Benjamin Morrison, he drove the guy out of bounds. It was an incomplete pass. So you're going to have to beat me, beat my best guys. So I, that bothered me. That, that did bother me. You're like you're, you're, you're in that instance on third, you're third, you're worried about a fade ball. Really? Okay. Then heat the guy up and don't let it give him time to step into that fade ball. Make, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know. I could be wrong. If you're going to beat me, you're going to have to beat me at my strength. I'm not going to let you beat me at my weakness. Sure. Sure. I just, sure. it just makes no sense to me to have that mindset. I did not like that answer at all. I really didn't. That's an interesting question, but we don't really have time for that. Hey, broke Nick boy. I would love it. If you'd bring up this question on the message board, he says, would Nick Saban in his prime be able to go to each FBS school and be able to win a championship? So to, in short, no, not every hmm. program is capable of winning a championship. The question would be, is he able to go to any program at the FBS level and maximize that program's potential? Yes what would be an interesting question is which programs could he have gone to and won a title? Like he was never going to win a national title at Michigan state. Never. How about Georgia state? What if he went to Georgia state? But he had, but he had Michigan state rolling pretty good at the end when he left, you know what I mean? And um, not every program is capable of winning a championship. He could go to Georgia tech. And I mean, you said Georgia state to be funny, but like he could go to Georgia tech and I don't think Nick Saban's winning the national championship at Georgia tech. Not, not today's, not today's era. Yeah. You know, um, so, uh, but yeah, that would be interesting to see which schools could he win at. There's a lot of them. Well, he went to Alabama. It's easy to win at Alabama. Is it really? They won what a grand total of one national title in, in the decade since Bear Bryant left. Right. I mean, wasn't easy for Mike Schuler, Mike, the board. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Here's one. This is one. This is one I was in for earlier, Ryan, that I just thought was hilarious that I wanted to ask. AST 12321 says, if you had a choice between Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator and BVG as defensive coordinator, which would you choose? Brian Van Gorder. I mean, that that's – you can't win if you can't score. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that question. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, try, Pretty I'm trying much, to actually think it practically. You're, you're going to lose either way. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would take Brian Van Gorder for for Yes. Yes. It's bad. It's that bad. It's that bad. Here's an I interesting would, one. Ryan. I would probably take Brian Van Gorder, but like it wouldn't be comfortably Brian yeah. Van Gorder. You know what my answer would rather be? I'd resign. If that's right. my only two options, it's time for me to find a new job. Man. Uh, Ant underscore VR says, for one game only, who would you take, Sam Hartman or Riley Leonard? I'd take Sam Hartman on this Notre Dame team. I mean, like to me, that's your guy. And that's yeah. your guy. He's got more experience. We've seen him in more big game moments. 
Uh, I'm a guy that I, I, I want a quarterback in a, in a, in a big game. I want a quarterback that can throw the football. I can, I got running backs at Notre Dame to run the football. Now, if I'm Duke, I'm taking Riley Leonard because I need a quarterback that can extend, that can make plays, that can, can do a lot of the things that Riley Leonard does at Notre Dame. Sam Hartman's the better fit. So part of the answer to this ant VR is what system are you running and and what is the team around you? Duke needs a guy like Riley Leonard to win. Yeah. Notre Dame doesn't. Now, now if Riley Leonard jumped in the portal next year, would I want Riley Leonard? Heck to the yes. Yeah. But if it's between this those two this year, I would take Sam. I, at Notre Dame, I would take Sam Hartman. I'd probably go with Hartman just because of the experience factor over the two. I would just be very curious to see what Riley Leonard's passing numbers and upside would be if he was at Notre Dame with the players around him, you know, because like, I feel like in these situations we're talking about, would you rather have Sam Hartman or Riley Leonard? You are dropping them into the same situation, right? Like, Correct. it's not like it's a deal. So I don't know. Correct. Just my thought. But that's why my answer takes changes Sam just if because it's, of the experience. Yeah. But my answer, that's why my answer changes if I'm talking about Duke. Because in that situation, like Sam Hartman's not dropping back and throwing to the Duke receivers like he did at Wake Forest. He doesn't have an A.T. Perry at Duke. He doesn't have, you know, the the kids, the tall, fast, Donovan Green athletic guys he had at, at Wake Forest. He doesn't have them at Duke. Yep. So they need a quarterback that can do those type of things. I would say this, if Notre Dame did go get a Riley Leonard, and I would love it if they, if he jumped on the portal and came to Notre Dame next year, I, I I'm not necessarily like let's go portaling, but if Riley Leonard's in the portal, um, let's go portaling. Uh, yeah. You'd have to adapt your offense, though. You couldn't run the same offense with with him that you had with Sam Hartman. You'd have to you because you wouldn't be using his skill set the same way. Now, I I think since Riley Leonard would be would be like you know how we talked all the offseason right about how going from from Wake Forest to do, Notre Dame doesn't really enhance Sam Hartman's draft profile because he is what he is mm-hmm. to me Riley Leonard going from Duke to Notre Dame could essentially so yeah um because they would ask him to be more of a pocket passer than he is now then the coaches would then have to adapt their offense to a degree to then also utilize his athleticism, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think they would, I think Jared, if Jared Parker had a quarterback that he could pull, pull on some of these runs, he would, and it would give him yeah. some stuff to deal with. I think that's why they like Deuce Knight so much, you know, cause Deuce can sit in a pocket and hurt you when he's, when he's developed, he'll be able to sit in a pocket and, and, and rip you up. But he's also a guy that, man, if you're running these, these, like Ohio State's running those crash edges. Uh, I got something for you. You know what I mean? Like we got something for you here, real quick, with Deuce Knight, and and uh, he could certainly bring that that interesting dynamic to the table. So, I do you agree with that, Ryan? That if Riley Leonard came to Notre Dame and because that would allow him to enhance his his pocket game quite a bit, in my opinion, with the weapons yeah. he'd have at Notre Dame. No, I mean it would definitely open things up. There's no doubt. I mean you would see a little bit more. I mean, also more would be on his shoulders from a passing perspective than what it is at Duke right now because I I don't think that the coaching staff at Duke is dumb. I think they know that there are some limitations as their yeah. pass catchers right now, and they right. have to win a certain way, which is totally understandable. Ryan, do you think they don't throw the ball deep because Riley Leonard can't throw the ball deep? 
Well, that's the biggest misnomer I've heard about Riley Leonard. It's like, oh, he can't throw deep. It's like, who's he going to throw too deep? Exactly. That's my <laughs> point. He doesn't throw deep hardly at all. Pete, I, I have a buddy who I who I debate with this all the time. I said, look, you can't just because a kid doesn't do something doesn't mean he can't do something. Right. Right. Just because he's like, well, I don't know if that kid can play linebacker. Why? Well, he, he plays this position in high school. Well, that doesn't mean he can't do that. It just means he doesn't do that. Riley Leonard doesn't throw deep because he's got a bunch of 5'11", six-foot receivers who are shifty guys, not downfield guys. You give him Tobias Merriweather, because I've seen him throw some really good deep balls. He just doesn't do it a lot. Yep. You know, but you give him Tobias Merriweather and Cam Williams and Jaden Greathouse and Chris Tyree and the tight ends they have, you're going to see a different guy. Remember what the big thing about, is Sam Hartman going to throw to the tight ends? He doesn't throw to the tight ends much. Well, seems pretty comfortable throwing to the tight ends at Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Because he has that weapons here at Notre Dame. Yep. You know, and, and so, yeah, I think that would enhance him quite a bit. But this year at Notre Dame, I'm going with Sam Hartman. But it's, you know, before, the reason I like those two questions back-to-back, the first question was a lose-lose. The yep. second question is a win-win. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, just last two, Ryan, we're going to get out of here. Um just give me one second here. I want to, there was two more questions I wanted to get to. We're not going to get to all of them today, folks. I really do apologize. Uh, here's one for you, Ryan. I wanted to bring up. Here's one. Basin Domer. Uh, who are the top O-line targets for the 25 class, and how big of an O-line class do you think they will take? I think I Basin Domer, I think that the number is going to be at four when everything is said and done personally, just kind of judging by the players that they're coming after. And they, they seem to be making a, a few guys priorities. Like it's not just like a one player and then just kind of figuring out the rest of the board i would say for me right now top offense lineman on the board owen Shrebig, offensive lineman out of wisconsin Matoma, wisconsin 6'8 290 pounds i think he has a tool to be an absolutely special player they like maddie augustine a lot out of the state of massachusetts or state of connecticut excuse me he's out of brunswick school he is more of the developmental offensive tackle type but notre dame likes him a ton Notre Dame is also in on guys like Rowan Byrne out of New York. They're also in on guys like Will Black out of Connecticut. They're also in on guys like Michael Roski out of Wisconsin as well. So I think the number is four. I think Strebig's a guy that they really want. I think that uh, Matty Augustine's a guy that they really want. And then after that, man, it's about finding the two best guys. Like I think Rowan Byrne would be a take. I think Will Black would potentially be a take. They have some good guys on the board. It's just about filling out the rest of the class. But I know Owen Strebig is very high on Notre Dame. Matty Augustine is very high on Notre Dame. Rowan Byrne is very high on Notre Dame, but he had to cancel his visit to Ohio State. So that one's a little bit of a weird one to figure out. But, um, yeah, really good offensive line board, though, man. I love it. If they're able to get Owen Shrebig and then fill out with the rest of those dudes, you have a potentially dynamic offensive line group, in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. Here's a quick one here, Ryan. Uh, This is from... Andrew Gilmore says, he says, Brian, what about the Kansas quarterback? Would you be interested in him? Jalen Daniels? No, I would not be. He's That's very a re- driven in my opinion. Very. And it's not the system that Notre Dame runs. It's just, yeah. if I will, there are certain offenses that if I ran a certain offense, would I like Jalen Daniels? Absolutely. That gets a really good football player. Really good player for, for a certain team. system. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Much, like Riley Leonard can run multiple, like Riley Leonard can run a true sprit college spread read zone, RPO, offense. He can throw off structure, He, I mean, off platform. He can throw on the run. He can carry the ball. He can beat you with his legs as a scrambler, design runs. But I also think Riley Leonard has the physical tools with good coaching to also be a pro-style quarterback. Yeah. Right? 
Jalen Daniels is the opposite of Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman is a system fit within a a pro style like system. He's not going to be in a spread system that's asking the quarterback run. He is a guy that you're going to ask him to throw the football, hand off the football, and throw the football. Jalen Daniels is a guy to me that's that's a system, more of a system fit guy in a you need that that spread running because if you're going to have him sit in a pocket, you're not using his ability, you're not using his talents. His his running his throwing ability to me comes off of what he brings to the table as a runner, yeah. more so than it just sit in a pocket and throw all day. In my opinion, that's what I see from him. His um his offensive coordinator is dope at Kansas, man. Yeah. I love the you're guy. You're always about him, game, yeah. But he's dude, he's he's a genius. <laughs> he's an absolute genius. I'm watching him and he's just scheming up some stuff where I'm like, they're not that talented. Like yeah. Devin Neal is a stud running back in my opinion, but like. They're winning with guys like Lawrence Arnold at wide receiver and the big tight end they have is like a solid little player, but like they are very well schemed offensively. Just so much misdirection in that offense, man. I love that Kansas offense. It's so yep. much fun. And it's just last thing here real quick from Corey Hardy. He says, Brian, what was the name of the bars, protein bars you like and what uh, uh, what three flavors do you recommend the most? That's a built bar is what it is. Actually, uh, we still have – we don't really run the promo code because – um, the only way they can pay us is through, um, is through, um, PayPal and we don't, we don't use PayPal anymore. Uh, but we still have the membership with them. So if you ever want to get built bars, you can still use the Irish breakdown promo code. So it's just Irish breakdown, one word you and you get 10% off your entire purchase. But, um, you know, mine, I, I, the cherry Garcia is, is excellent. Uh, they have a, 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 they have a actually. I don't see what they have up right now um, because I don't know that they they are they don't always have the same flavors uh, all the time. Right now, brownie batter puffs pretty good. Um, let's see what they have now. The cherry Garcia is always around. They always have that. And let's see. Peanut so butter let's brownies go to, my favorite. It's yeah, my that's a good one. Opinion. They got cookies and cream. I've never had that one before. Um, let's see here. Salted caramels okay. That's one they have right now. Puffs. Uh, they have a banana banana cream pie one that's pretty good uh, th- when that's around. Rocky Road is really good. Uh, that's a pretty good one. Those are ones that they have up right now. So uh, those are the ones that you can order that I that I rather enjoy. The brownie batter puff, I already said, that that's out right now too. That's also a really good one. Actually, and they don't have it out right now, but every, every few months they'll have cookie dough. If they have that, definitely get it. It's very good. Very good. But I have some brownie batter ones behind me right now. So, yeah, those are pretty good. But some of them are like the only – the real popular ones, they'll like only have up for like a short period of time, which is a great marketing strategy because it's like it is. when they are up, people just buy them out like In bulk, immediately. Yeah. They last like a couple days. Yep. But uh, And that's how the cookie dough is. But the cookie dough one is phenomenal. It's funny, Ryan, like the last s- several months I just – I haven't been able to eat sweet things the way that I used to. Like they just are a little like too rich for me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's more my taste buds changing. The cookie dough is really rich. So it's like, if you like really rich chocolatey, like sweet type things, it's really good. But yeah, use promo code Irish breakdown. You can still get the discount. It's just, we don't really uh, actively promote them simply because of the whole, and not that they've done anything wrong, but it's, it's just, that's their only payment system. And we just, we're just not using PayPal. So that's where we're at. That's the only reason. So that's it, Ryan. I know. I'm sorry we didn't get to all the questions. There was a bunch of uh, great questions still out there. We just we have hit our four hour mark, and we've got to we've got to roll. 
So thank yep. you all so much, Ryan. Why don't you go ahead and take us out of here, man? Yeah, we appreciate everybody for the outstanding questions today. And I mean, we were well over 400 for the majority of yeah. the show today, as far as people yeah. in here. So for all those people out there, they're still listening. Please just hit that like button for us before you leave. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, that notification bell. So you'll be up to date on every show that we have coming up, including the post game show tomorrow night after Notre Dame takes on the Duke blue devils. Make sure also, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, five star reviews are very much appreciated. Boards at irishbreakdown.com. If you want the latest recruiting and team intel, even when Notre Dame's not at home, there's still going to be some recruiting news over the weekend that you guys are going to make sure that you're paying attention to, as well as the great analysis on the team on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. So that's Brian Driscoll. I'm Ryan Roberts. We appreciate you all again for joining us for Friday Free-For-All Mailbag here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>